All right, we're going to jump right into the message today. We're in our series called Inside Out Living. So we're going to look at some things today. Hopefully it will help us in this area of our life. I think it's vitally important for us to understand the, the power of living from the inside out. So let's get your Bibles, your sermon notes out, or you can get on the Version Bible app and follow along. We got sermon notes there uh, under the events. You can go to there and you can find our sermon notes electronically if you'd like to do that. Let's open up our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Your Bible may automatically open up to that by now. I know mine practically does. But we're just going to read through this and then we're going to launch into the rest of it. I, I continue to emphasize this. I think it's so important for us to understand the value of the concept of inside out living in every area of your life. This is not just a church thing for us. It's not something just for church people. It's not something just for Sundays. We need to be able to live from the inside out in every area of our life. It will help us so much if we realize that God's put something on the inside of us that's supposed to affect and grow and manifest or show itself on the outside. Everything that God created, he did it this way. You even see in how he created seeds. He created seeds with everything that that plant would need on the inside of it. You don't need to add anything to a seed, just put it in the right environment, allow it to get water and everything to produce that plant, produce more fruit, more seeds, more fruit, more seeds, more fruit, more seeds. Everything is in that one little seed. And this is how God works in our life. When you become born again, I'm gonna get ahead of myself a little bit, but I'm just laying the foundation for it. But when you get born again, God puts seed on the inside of you through a new life, new creation, and everything we need to become what God wants us to become is on the inside of us. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And we're gonna show you that and see what it looks like. So let's look in 2 Corinthians chapter four. Start reading at verse 16, inside out, Living says, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Outward man, inward man. Remember, our outward man. That means that's something we have. Outward man is something we have. When I say man, I'm not talking about male versus female. Man is just gender neutral. We're talking about outward part of you inward part of you. Your outward man, your outward part is your physical, earthly, fleshly realm. This is everything you need. This is your earth suit. This is what involves in the five sense realm. It is valuable. It is important. Your outward man is good for earth living, but we've also got an inward man, an inward person, something on the inside of us that is also good for eternal living. So we put those two together in one big earth suit, outward man, inward man, and we're talking about the difference and the distinction between the two. Notice what it says, the outward man is perishing, it's getting older, it's passing on, time is going by, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. The inward being renewed means it's superior in value, it's better, it's growing new every day. So we have something new that's available to us every day, but it's on the inside of us. We've got to know where to get it. So when we talk about this, we re, if we believe the, the truth about our outward man, that this physical realm, you see my hands, my fingers, my, my body, my arms and legs. If we believe the reality of that part of us, then we need to also believe the reality of the inward part of us. 
There is an outward part. There's no doubt about it. Again, it's important. But there's also an inward part, and we need to believe the reality of that part just as much as we believe the reality of the outward part. And the reason I think it's important and why I'm emphasizing this in our series is because I think too many times our reality, we're conditioned from babies that our reality is based on the five sense realm. Our reality or the validity of our reality is supported by our five senses. What we see, smell, hear, taste, touch. From the time that you're very little, we're conditioned that what is real is validated by the five sense realm. And that is okay for the outward part of you. But the problem is we're validating the reality of the inward part based on the five senses. And the validity of our inward truth cannot be validated, it cannot be affirmed by our five senses alone. So let me me say it this way. Our five senses are used to validate outward man facts, but it cannot be used to validate inward man truths. Because your inward you is spirit. It's the spirit, it's from God, it's the God part of you. So now my outward man Physical senses can be used to validate facts about what's going on around me, but they cannot be used. I can't be limited to them to validate the truths on my inside. There's things on the inside of you that's greater than what's on the outside of you. And for us to understand this concept, it's important for us to live inside out. And what I'm going to talk about is making sure we're categorizing things in the right area. I'm going to say the right man or the right person. Is this an outward person situation or an inward person situation? And it is very important for us to know which category it goes into. If I know which category it goes into, then I know what tool I need to use to help that area. And I'll show you what I'm talking about. If we have uh, stress in our life, stress, something we feel, Remember, outer man, something we have, inner man, who we are. Stress, something we feel. Is stress an inward man issue or an outer man issue? It's outer man issue. It doesn't mean it's not real. Don't hear that. It's absolutely real. But we got to put it in the right category. Stress is coming against my outer man. Outer man is something I have, not who I am. Soul. When I begin to break it down that category, I can make statements like this. I, who I am, spirit, am not stressed out. Stress is coming against my outer man. You say, well, that's crazy. It doesn't matter. Oh, it matters a bunch. It matters a bunch. When we start putting things in the right category, I will know who I am versus what's coming against me on the outside. Let's take uh, uh, something we deal with on a regular basis, sickness of any kind, whether it's infection, bacteria, viruses, all of those are those outer man issues or inner man issues. Outer man issues, it's natural realm, right? It doesn't mean they don't exist, it's there, but we put it in the right category. So sickness comes against my outer man, but it cannot touch my inner man. My inner man, my spirit does not get sick because sickness is an outer realm, five sense realm issue. It doesn't mean it's not, I'm not supposed to have it. It doesn't mean I shouldn't ever get sick. It just means I'm putting it in the right category of where it's coming against. Do you see what I'm saying? Once I understand that, then I can say, wait a minute, that's coming against my outer man, but I have an inner man solution to combat that outer man problem. 
I'm not limited to what I feel. I'm not limited to my five sense realm. I'm just saying, okay, that's an outer man issue. I see what's happening there. I'm going to put that over here and I'm going to look to my inner man to give me a solution for that problem. I am not consumed by my problem. It's coming against my outer man. And the value of this in our life, we'll learn to live inside out, that we will not be identified by our problems. My problem will not identify who I am. I may have the problem, it's real, it's not something we're trying to pretend, it's not there, blah, blah, blah. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about it's going to come against me, but it's not going to become me. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, I see you. Yeah, I hear you, but it's not who I am. This is where we got to live inside out. We got to live like that seed. The inside of that seed, it's screaming, let me out. I'm not sure it says that, but I'm just saying. So we've got an outer man and we've got an inward man. I say it this way. Your inward man truth is superior to your outward man facts. I'm going to have some facts about my outward realm. I'm going to have them. I'm going to have some facts. I can look at them, five senses. I can hear them. I can feel them. Okay, that's a fact. But I've got an inward man truth that trumps my outward man facts. This inward man truth comes from the word of God. It's a spirit realm thing. So I can't wait to see it, smell it, hear it, taste and touch it before I validate it. I got to validate it based on believing what God says. We do it all the time. We pull in spirit realm truths into our natural realm when we say we're saved and on our way to heaven. How do you know you're on your way to heaven? Because I pulled a spirit realm truth into my natural realm and I say I'm a Christian. We do it. We say I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Well, you know, you don't look any different. You're not glowing in the dark. You know what, what happened? Well, you believed it. You believed Jesus died on the cross. You believed his, his blood paid for your sins. You believed it. spirit realm truth pulled it into your inner man. And now you say that your outer man is saved, but it's only saved because your inner man has received a spiritual truth. Your spiritual truth overrides your outer realm facts that your body is dying, but your spirit is going to live. Jesus said, if you believe in me, though you were dead, yet shall you live what's going to live your spirit are you feeling me yet we got to live inside out inside out so we're going to have some outer man issues no doubt about it but we got some inner man truths that trump that so we got to figure out we got to put things in the right category look at verse 17 for our light affliction which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory affliction is real but we got to locate it affliction is that an outer man issue or an inner man issue It's an outer man issue. Affliction means stress, pressure. We talked about that last week. It's real, but I'm putting it in the right part. I'm saying, okay, that affliction has come against me on the outside, but I've got an inner man on the inside that is also pushing against what's pushing against me. This is where I threw this out last week, and it was a bomb for some people, and I never understand why, but they get a little uptight when I say things like, well, trials don't make you stronger. They start getting in a puff and a huff and like defending trials. I'm like, listen, I don't need a sermon to let me know I'm going to have trials. I got all kinds of trials. I got all kinds of afflictions. But trials don't make me stronger in and of themselves. No more than the statement would be true for me to say weights make you stronger. Weights do not make you stronger. If you take a weight and just put it on the floor, that weight does not make you stronger. 
If you take a weight off the rack and it just collapses on you, that does not make you stronger. Weights do not make you stronger. Trials do not make you stronger. But when you take that weight off the rack and you push against it and release your force against it, your force against resistance makes you stronger. So affliction's gonna come to your outer man, so affliction plus your inner man's strength is gonna make you stronger. Because what is in you, eternal weight of glory, outweighs what's coming against you. I'm going to have things coming against me, absolutely. I say, come ahead, because what's in me outweighs what's coming against me. So when you keep pushing forward, see, the enemy, the only thing he wants to do is get you to quit. If he can get you to quit, then he'll squash you with that thing. But if you'll keep pushing... Just keep pushing against what's coming against you. What's in you outweighs what's coming against you. You've got an inner person on the inside that is so much stronger than what we realize sometimes. How many times have we said this? I can't take it another minute. I can't take it. That's your outer man talking. That's your outer man talking. I can't do it. Lord, I've done this so many times. I don't even, Lord, not another, no, no more. You said you never put on anything on me that I can't handle. You lied. You lied. That's my outer man talking. The whole time my inner man says, hey, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's inner man talking right there. <laughs> Dude, you crazy. See, because when we understand this, it's working for us. And so go to verse 18, then we'll finish and launch on. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary. They've got a timestamp on them. The things which are not seen are eternal. So our outer man is temporary. Our inner man is eternal. So we got to realize, is our outer man determining what your inner man is doing or your inner man determining what your outer man is doing? Put things in the right category. Your body is temporary, it's not eternal. Your inward part of you is the most lasting, most durable, it's the strongest, it's the most important part of your life. So when he's talking about this, we make sure we don't let our body tell our spirit what's gonna happen. We have our spirit tell our body what's gonna happen. Inside Out Living says, body, you can say what you want, but my spirit is saying this is what we're going to do. Now, you're going to have to resist that, but we realize that the body, I'll say it this way, the body, your physical body, is the supportee. It's not the supporter. Come on, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Too many times we make our physical body as what keeps us going. Your body is the supportee. Your spirit is your supporter. You want scripture? James chapter 2 says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. The body without the spirit is dead. So which is supporting who? Is my body supporting my spirit? No, my spirit's holding up my body. So if I want to ask permission whether I can do something or not, which one should I be asking? The supportee or the supporter? But we go to our body and say, is it okay for you to do this? Do you want to get up out of bed? Do you feel like saying you're sorry? <laughs> oh, got up in my business now. <laughs> Do you feel like going to work today? 
Oh, I don't either. Let's just lay here. We're going to the supportee for permission instead of going to the supporter and allowing our spirit to say, hey, this is how I feel, outward man, but my inward man has an agenda and I gotta decide which agenda am I going to agree with? Am I gonna agree with the agenda of my outer man, my flesh, how I feel, or am I gonna agree with the agenda of my inward man, which is the God part of me? If you want to see the king, the, uh, as Jesus said to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you need to not ask the supportee about it. You better ask the supporter about it. Get plugged into what the kingdom says on the inside of you. So now, let's see how this works. Because we've got to live from the inside out. I don't know how I want to say it. If something's not working in you, it's very unlikely you'll see the benefits of it on you. Everything that God does in our life, he wants to do it in you first before you or anyone else will see it on you. Too many times we don't try to change the on instead of the in. I'll stop doing these outward things and then I'll be better in my heart. No, change your heart and all of a sudden your outward things will change over time. Too many times people want to get right and then they'll come to church. <laughs> well, let me clean up a few things. I got some habits I need to get rid of. Then I'll come. No, come, bring your habits. Not in church, bring them. Well, I'm not, I'm not living right. Come on, come on in, come on in. Make yourself at home. Well, you don't know what they're doing. Hey, I don't know what a lot of you are doing. I don't know. You don't know what I'm doing. So it's not about that. It's understanding that we got a place where we tell people, listen, your outside may need a little, uh, shall we say, cleaning up. But don't try and clean up outside in. Clean inside out. Get your heart right with God and come to him and say, God, I've made a stinking mess of my life, but I give you my heart. Show me how to change inside out. Clean up on the inside. Let Jesus walk into your life and start saying, okay, let's take on this room first. You ever trying to clean your whole house at the same time? It's hard to one room at a time. Sometimes it's like that in our life. You need to clean up one room at a time, but you don't clean it up so Jesus can come in. You let him move in your mess. <laughs> he may not even have a place to walk. He'd be like, stand over here. But when he comes in, man, everywhere he stands is clean. So now he starts bringing cleanliness with him. So, so I don't want to belabor that point, but this is what we're focusing on. So now, once we start this inside out process, this is why I want to talk about this today. I want us to understand the progression and the growth because there's people in our life. I pray that we will be a church that's looking for, reaching out to, grabbing hold of people that are absolutely 100% not living for God. I pray that our service will be a place that they feel absolutely welcome to bring their garbage in and attend our services. I mean, they are well known to be in sin and I wanna see them sitting in our congregation. 
I want to see him sitting there because I want him to run smack dab in the love of God and watch him change them from the inside out. This is what we've got to have a desire in our heart. So now let's look at how this works and how it progresses. I want to give you three parts. I'm, we're not going to get to all three parts, but I'm going to say I'm going to give you three, and I'm going to lie to you up front and say we're only going to get to part of it. <laughs> There's three parts that I want to break down in our inner man, outer man. Number one is the natural man. Two will be the carnal man, and three will be the spiritual man. And again, when I say man, it's not gender specific. So let's look at the natural. Go to Ephesians chapter two. I want us to help identify what a natural flesh-led life looks like so we can see where that's working in our life. This is, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, this should sound very familiar to what your life was like BC, before Christ. But it's also something we have to watch so that we don't allow these things to creep back into our life. Look at Ephesians chapter two. Again, we're gonna contrast outer man and inner man. I want you to see this here in verse one. It says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses in sin. Said they were dead, but he made them alive. Now are we talking about inner man or outer man here? We're talking about inner man because these people were alive, they were breathing, they were walking around, they were alive on the outside, but they were dead on the inside. So it tells you and I that we can be alive, living and breathing human being and still be dead on the inside. And that's what he's talking about. You're alive in your outer man, but you're dead in your inner man. But here, this, so this is a condition of the natural man, the natural led person, the unregenerate, unborn again. This is the condition. Look at what happens in verse two. In which once you walked according to the course of this world. Walked according to just means you lived your life this way. You lived your life according to the course of the world. What does that mean, course of the world? Course of the world means culture or society. In other words, this type of person just lives according to the values, right and wrong, that are accepted and approved by society. As culture says it's okay, they say it's okay. If culture or society changes its conviction, they change their conviction. They ebb and flow with the world around them. That's just the natural man. This is someone that has their value is based on, what's everybody else say? It's uh, sticking your finger in there. Oh, okay, well, I guess that's not a sin anymore. And what's what's happening in the world around us? People, they're just going by, what does culture say? They're trying to influence your children this way. They're saying, hey, this is the new truth. This is what's right now. This is what's wrong now. Society and culture trying to bring absolute truth to a place of generalities and personal perception. Course of this world so that's one part. Society, society and culture is going to try and influence you. Look at the next part. According to the prince of the power of the air. Prince of the power of the air referring to Satan. So we've got the culture, society, the world. Then we've got the supporter of that culture and society, which is Satan, his agenda, his, his kingdom. So I say this to say this to you. Not everything that you're dealing with in life is the devil. Come on. <laughs> Some of it's just the course of the world. Some things that you're going to battle against is just going to be the culture and the society that he has put in place. See, here's another thing you need to remember. You're not probably facing the devil himself very often. He's not omnipresent. 
He's not God. He can't be everywhere at the same time. He's a limited being created by God. So he can't be everywhere. So you say, I'm going to tell you, the devil's been after me all week. Probably not. Probably not. Now, I'm not saying it's not demonic influence. It hasn't happened. He's got all kinds of principalities and powers. We see that in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It talks about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rules of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. So there is a kingdom of darkness we're warring against. We are working against the kingdom of darkness, but we're also working against the culture and humanity and thinking that that kingdom of darkness has produced. So some things that we're warring against are thoughts and ideals that stem from the kingdom of darkness, but are not necessarily exactly the kingdom of darkness in your life. Do you understand the difference? So we got to put those things together. Notice what happens. This is what a natural person's dealing with. Some of it's just a sinful mindset. Some of it's actual demonic forces who now works in the sons of disobedience. He works in the sons of disobedience. The spirit of him who now works in the sons or daughters of disobedience. Notice the, the verbiage here. I like the language and how the Bible makes this plain for us. When I'm walking according to my natural desires, he works in the people of disobedience. What does that mean? There's a difference in working in and working against. When we choose to believe God and walk in God's ways, these spirits or the culture of the world, demonic forces as well as the culture of the mindset of society, the flesh, all of these things will work against us. But they will not work in us when we're obeying God. When you choose to obey, all of these things will work against you to try to hinder you but they will not be at work in you. You're like, why is that important? Here's why I believe it's important. Because he says he works in the ones who disobey. Because when I disobey God and go against what God says, I am choosing to partner with the opposite of what God says. And when I do that, I open up my life for him to work in me. The Bible says it this way in Romans chapter 6. I'll give it to you this way. It says, uh, verse 16, Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether sin leading to death or of obedience leads, leading to righteousness? Notice the part I highlight. You are that one slaves whom you obey. Here's what the enemy will try and tell you. That mindset or this, this culture, this society thought, was trying to get you to believe that if you, want, if you want true freedom, you just do whatever you want. You'll have freedom to do whatever you want. But if we disobey God, we are not walking in freedom. We are walking in slavery to the one we obey. The enemy will try and get you. See, because some people will say this. Well, I'm not necessarily a religious person. I'm not into all that Christianity and stuff. But I don't worship the devil. I'm just somewhere right down the middle. When we obey God, we're with God. When we don't obey God, we're not with God. There's only two parts. 
Whether you're serving the devil intentionally or whether you're serving your own flesh, serving the course of this world, thinking when we don't choose God, we choose against God. And it's not choose against God like uh, I want to just choose a bad thing. When I choose against God, I choose against my best. I choose against life. I choose against hope. I choose against love. I choose against all of those things. So why do we choose God? Because he has what's best in store for you. So this is what we see. When we disobey God, he works in the sons and daughters of disobedience. Look at verse three. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts or the desires of the flesh. All right, check this out. The word conducted just means to Turn, twist here or there. Conduct means to direct something. So the imagery is this. When we live according to our natural fleshly desires, you turn and twist in any direction. It'd be like driving a horse and you, you pull the reins and twisting this way and that way. Turn, turn. Or you got the steering wheel backwards and forward. He says in the natural realm, a person living according to the natural, their, their desires turn them every which way they go. So they're limited based on how they feel. How I feel is how I act. Another image for you might be a conductor of an orchestra. What does the conductor do? A conductor tells, he guides them through the process. He calls on the percussion, calls on the flutes, calls on each one. And this is what the imagery is. When I live according to my flesh, all of a sudden my anger may say, come on, come on anger, come on, I need you right now, go ahead and respond. Feel it, feel it, feel it. And we respond according to how we feel when our natural man is in charge. What'd they do to you? Oh, they did that to you? Come on, respond. Go ahead, give them the bird. Go ahead, flipping them off, go. You know you want to, you feel it, do it, do it, do it. You'll feel better. Road rage. Oh, oh, they said that about you? Okay. Come on, say that back. Come on, it's in you. Say it. Come on, you've been thinking it. Go ahead and let it out. Let it out. Conducting according to our flesh. And here's what's happening. In the world, without God, we're seeing people, and we did this ourselves. It says we all once conducted ourselves according to our fleshly desires. And there are people that are being conducted by their desires, and they want out, but they don't know how to get out. They're trying to clean up on the outside and something has to happen on the inside. So we as believers need to be partnering with them to see God come on the inside and change conductors. You ever seen that cartoon where you got the person out here and all of a sudden they bring that big hook out and pull them off stage? You need to take the hook to your flesh, pull him off stage and let your inner man take over orchestrating your life. So whenever they do something to you and your, your outer man says, go on, get angry, get back at him. Your inner man says, ah, forgive them. Peace. <laughs> inner man. Inner man's got to be conducting. Outer man's going to feel stuff. When your spouse does something you don't like. Outer man. Come on, get her, come on, come on, freeze her out, freeze her out, don't say anything, just don't speak to her, just give her the silent treatment. Inner man says, whoa, peace, forgiveness, come on, I need you to play right now, loud and clear, come on, play. We gotta let our spirit be our conductor. 
inner man, inner man. Anybody can react with their flesh. That's the natural person. It takes someone to let their inner man come up to change the way we respond. Let a different person direct us. We're not going to let our feelings direct us. Okay, I'm, I'm tired, so I'm tired. I'm cranky. I get to be rude because I'm tired. I've had a bad day, so I get to do whatever I want, and you got to deal with it. You, you done me conducting, you want me to move on? <laughs> That's what happens. That's what he's talking about. We all conducted ourselves according to the flesh, to our desires. This is natural stuff. But God's not called you to be limited to natural. He's called you to Supernatural. And that's inner man stuff. So your outer man is going to want to respond. But you've got to pull them off the stage. Say, listen, you're not directing this orchestra anymore. I am not going to be a moody person anymore. I'm not. I'm not going to let those fears paralyze me and keep me from interacting and becoming everything that God created me to become. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You're not this enough. You've had this happen in your life. You've had that happen in your life. All this trying to orchestrate you, you gotta pull them off the stage and let your spirit tell you when to speak and when to operate. Notice what it says, conduct ourselves according to the desires of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. Man, here's a big point. Do you know it's one thing to have a desire and it's another thing to fulfill a desire? Operating according to the natural man is when you fulfill those desires, and that means you bring them to pass. Here's an area where the enemy or the thought life or the culture of the enemy's kingdom will ruin Christians. He will try to get you convinced that if you have a desire, that it's who you are. Can I just encourage you? Just because you have a thought doesn't mean that's who you are. Just because you have a desire that comes to your mind, don't throw yourself under the bus and start condemning yourself and say, I'm a good for nothing. Just don't let that desire be fulfilled. You gotta choose which desire you allow to be fulfilled. There's gonna be desires that come to you that say, I just wanna punch them in the mouth. Well, that's a desire that you don't have to fulfill. You may have a desire that's not of God. You may look at someone that you're not supposed to look at. You may have a desire that come into your head. You can take that desire captive and never let it be fulfilled. Yes. Who's conducting? Who's leading? This is what God's talking about. To be led by the inner man is that just because I have a desire, 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says that I cast down imaginations and every eye thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring every thought into captivity to the beings of Christ Jesus. Look it up. What does that mean? I still have desires that are not of God. <gasps> yeah. But just because I have a thought doesn't mean that's who I am. If I'm going to let my spirit man conduct me, I say desire. You got to go. You will not be fulfilled. I'm going to fulfill the desire from the inner man and override the desire of the outer man. My inner man says, be bitter, be hurt, and pull back. My inner man says, forgive, love, and embrace. Which one 
are you going to fulfill? You have the power to decide which one you're going to fulfill. Notice what he says. Fulfill the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And there's a lot more I can say here. You know, some of your problems, some of my problems, I put it this way, some of our problems is our mind. Nothing to do with the devil other than we've embraced an ideology or a thought process that he may have instituted or at least agrees with his kingdom. You know what the Bible said? Uh, uh, I don't want to say this. We were by nature children of wrath. Let me, let me give you this. By nature, that word nature means a natural production or development. The desires that we fulfill will be the nature that we produce. <laughs> you want to change your life? Don't try and change everything overnight. Just start changing which desires you fulfill. And if you will do that over time, your nature will change. If I was to say, you know, when I was, I was looking at this, I'm like, God, what do, you, what do you want me to do? He said, Chad, there's people that will cause to hear you. They're wanting to change and they don't know how to. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna change through a process. And I wanna give you that process as we close. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter one, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through the desires. To change our nature, to change who you are, we have to change what is turning and directing us, and we gotta change the desires which we fulfill. So now, to be partakers of the divine nature, God's giving us his precious promises. So we wanna change a habit, change a lifestyle, change the way we think, then we have to take the promise of God. How many has ever um, either heard something in a message read something in your Bible, heard a friend talk about it, something you thought, wow, that's good, I'm gonna do that. And then it seems like right away, you were given an opportunity on whether you were gonna put that into practice or not. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know what, that is awesome, I'm gonna start doing that. Immediately almost, resistance comes to try and get you to stop doing what you just said you were gonna do. What is that? Why is that? <laughs> Whenever you try and change your nature, your current nature is going to fight against it. So the process works this way. Who I am today, and I'm still a long work in progress, is a lot of little decisions in the moment to choose, I'm not gonna fulfill that desire today. I might tomorrow, but I'm not going to today. And as I did that, it started to put roots down. 
Come on, I'm gonna help you with the practical side of this. When you just in little moments choose to not fulfill a desire that's not of God, you will put a little root down in that area and you will start growing. What happens in this, you're not gonna change overnight, but you're just choosing in the moment. I'm not gonna fulfill that desire. I want to so bad, I can't stand it. I want to type it, I want to push send, I want to push send. No. No. Maybe not that dramatic, but you know what I'm talking about. In a moment, just don't fulfill that desire, but that's not enough, okay? You've got to fulfill the opposite desire. Oh, Jesus. So let me hit home to something. So when your spouse does something or doesn't do something, you're gonna have a desire that pops up on how to respond. In that moment, make a decision. Here's what I wanna do. Naturally, I wanna get mad, I wanna get offended, and I either wanna say something back or I wanna not say anything to him at all. Don't fulfill that desire and do the opposite. I want to go this way and run and be mad. So I go the opposite way. I love you. That moment that you do that, roots start growing and your nature will start changing. You want to be a more patient person? Be patient in the moment. It's not life change. It's in each moment, be more patient. New nature's forming. You wanna be more loving? Be more loving in the moment. You wanna be a more forgiving person? Be forgiving in the moment. If you can win the moment, carpe diem, seize the day, seize the moment. In this moment, I'm gonna embrace God's choice. I'm gonna go against my flesh and I'm gonna change my nature by embracing what God says and rejecting what my flesh wants to do. Here's the process of living inside out.